Hey, welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast, where we discuss the principles behind the plans. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Dave. And my name is Jeff, and we're both um, father and son and pastors on staff at Allison Park Church. And we we have had some really good episodes recently. I've been really excited about what we've had a chance. I think maybe the last episode, Dave, might have been one of the more talked about issue, uh, <laughs> issues or is swear, episodes. You mean the swearing us in? swearing us in. Yeah. I heard a lot of people feedback from that uh, that that one. So. Well, in particular, I had someone that told me there was a particular moment. If you haven't listened, I won't spoil it. But when he said, <laughs> I screamed out loud whenever I heard Pastor Jeff say something <laughs> in reference to our friend Johannes and his, yeah. his sermon. So that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Hey, well, we just want to say thank you for tuning in and being a listener, whether this is your very first time or you've been sticking with us for a while. And uh, we all, always want to say thank you to those who have given us five-star reviews, specifically to a few people. Um, we want to shout out KB the Brave, Sean Beast 4799 and and Kylie Class, thank you so much for your five-star reviews. Really appreciate that. And we would love to shout you out, too, if you can just leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also do it on Spotify. That'd be great, too. But we will see your name and stuff uh, on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and so. we also, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of podcasts ago, we did an episode on the six-way fracturing of evangelicalism. And we talked about an article by that title by Michael Graham. And we actually heard from Michael, who uh, reached out and said he listened to the podcast and enjoyed it. So we are looking forward to having some conversations with him in the future, too, which is really kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway... Today we're excited for the episode. There's been a, a lot of um, a lot of heavy hearts and w- with the news about some of the stuff that's come out with Hillsong Church. So we'll kind of discuss that in just a second. But as sort of a preview, um, we're going to be discussing a what happened with Hillsong Church. You know what what went wrong with Hillsong, and then b is the mega church movement toxic? Because that's that's a lot of what has been coming out of this. A lot of conversations about. Is it the cult of personality, and should there be mega churches? Have we gone astray? Celebrity culture, all that stuff. And I know we've touched on some of these over our seasons, but I think it's good to, to kind of dive back in. Yeah, and again, you know, our our podcast is to discover the principles behind the plan. So we're trying to talk about the why behind the what, and really dive on some of the questions that come up um, around a lot of things happening in the world today and in the church world, especially. And um, you know, one of the team members. Um, actually said to me the other day, are you guys going to do anything on the Hillsong situation? Because this is what a lot of the younger staff are talking about at Allison Park Church. And a big part of what we're doing this podcast for is not just for the, the larger public, but also for the Allison Park Church leadership so that uh, we can have dialogues about meaningful issues like this. And so we're going we're gonna to do the little dance here <laughs> because... <laughs> What's the little well, dance? Well, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't like to talk about other people's problems. I don't like to to talk about other churches, especially, especially when we talk about failures. And we we did have this whole conversation um, a number of episodes ago on the Mars Hill, Hill podcast, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, uh, that was done by Christianity Today. And that one, I was conflicted over. Should we be talking about this? This was the question. Should this podcast have happened... Should we be talking about this? And if so, from what vantage point? And so that's the dance. It's it's in some ways feels inappropriate for us to talk about someone else's issues. But because it is a public issue, it almost has to be addressed in some way. And then there's the larger concept I guess we can dive into, which is the whole megachurch question. 
So do you want to get us started, Dave? I don't know where you want to begin down this pathway. Well, if you haven't heard sort of the the news, there's been some stuff going on with Hillsong Church for the last few years, really. Um, not necessarily with the church at large of Hillsong, but I guess you could say a few key leaders. Yeah, and, and let's just pause to say Hillsong Church is a church that was pastored by Brian Houston, uh, has become really known in the worship world especially, really led the way in a lot of the worship movements that were happening in the 1990s and the 2000s, um, and then became known really for its multi-campus approach in capital cities around the world, and then in major cities around the world, and I think the latest stats were something like 150,000 people attended one of the Hillsong churches around the world, and, uh, you know, it it had, I think, it its own TV station and, and had its own movie that was made about it. And so it's very prominent in the, in the culture. A lot of famous movie stars, I think Chris Pratt belongs to one of the Hillsong churches. I think Justin Bieber has been and talked about him being a part of one of the Hillsong churches. So it's had a very high profile, high prominence in its, in its existence. And I think probably most of us, when we think of the, the, the brand Hillsong, think very positive thoughts because of its impact in so many ways in the world. You probably, if you know some some worship songs, if you're a Christian, you probably, probably know, know Hillsong, Hillsong. Hillsong worship because yeah. mm-hmm. they're by far the biggest worship you know, producing church out of any that I know of. I mean, there's other ones too, but Hillsong has so many mainstream yeah, hits. They probably the were the first local church to produce music on that level. You know, prior to that, there was some vineyard music and there was some Hosanna music, which are really old labels. And then Hillsong came along and everything being produced produced at a local church. Now you have churches like Bethel and Elevation and River Valley and others that yeah, are producing. Maverick City and yeah, that yeah, are all producing. These. But Hillsong was sort of like the forerunner for all that. Mm-hmm. I remember like being uh, at home when I was a kid and mom like dancing around the house to those really old school, like <laughs> shout 19... to the Lord, yeah, you know? yeah. 1997 <laughs> kind of Darlene check worship yeah. albums back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's so hard about this, it's, you know, obviously there's the personal aspect with, with leaders that are falling, but Hillsong has just had such a massive impact on so many of us. Yeah. I mean, I, I can think of major moments of my life where I have worship through songs written by Hillsong, you know, that really helped me get through some seasons. Yeah. So it's probably, I mean, I I guess I I was talking to somebody else about this. This may be the most prominent public church sort of falling, maybe in the history, in in modern history. I mean, I don't know what you think about Jimmy Swagger. Well, yeah, there's been a lot of big failings over time. Back in the day, in the 1980s, when Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker both fell, they were national TV ministries, and they were known around the world. And so I don't know that's the biggest, probably the biggest in your lifetime, mm-hmm. yeah, is what we would say. And and it's a totally different kind of thing, honestly. The, the stuff that happened with some of these past scandals that I mentioned were pretty overt, um, you know, scandals with prostitutes. Okay, so or money laundering or things like that. It was, and then there was a lot of you know battling back and forth over that. But this with Hillsong. So let's just talk about. So there was an event that happened a couple of years ago where the Hillsong pastor in New York City, Hillsong, New York, yeah, Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz um, ended up being guilty of having an affair with a, with a, with a woman, not his wife, and that came out publicly, and he was you know forced to resign from his post. Carl Lentz was a huge figure, especially for people your age, mm-hmm. spoke at conferences all over the world, 
Um, and so that was, that was impacting. And then this whole thing that has happened recently with Pastor Brian Houston. So, you know, I know you've researched this. What's, what's the accusation being made? So I guess we'll back up for a second. So there, there is a documentary that came out on Discovery Plus that really is what kind of started this firestorm. And so I haven't watched the documentary yet. As has happened the last couple of times we've had these, <laughs> it's like everybody's talking about it. I think I've resisted. It's not that I haven't watched it um, out of like, you know. I don't think I will watch it. Yeah, it's it's not that I haven't watched it because I just like haven't had the time or I don't feel like it. I haven't watched it because it's just such a heavy thing. First of all, in some ways, it's it's a hit piece. I mean, it's made yeah. by people that you know are not Christians. They're not trying. Their their goal is not you know the furtherment of the kingdom of God. No, nor they're, is it to tell a balanced story. So you know those kinds of hit pieces are tended. So uh, let me let me back up for a minute. Hillsong, because of its biblical theology on things like sexuality, has been a target of um, people who want to bring it down because it's such a prominent um, Christian organization. It's been a target for years. So, like, for instance, I I know that there's a Hillsong church that meets in Stockholm, Sweden, that has had to move locations multiple times because they were branded um, in a particular way because of their biblical theology and so they have been, in, in some levels, I guess you'd call it persecuted on, on some level, simply because of their biblical theology. And so there have been people in, in, in popular culture that have wanted to see Hillsong exposed, destroyed, and whatever. Even Chris Pratt, who is the movie star, has taken a lot of heat for belonging to Hillsong, um, in some ways suffered some persecution in Hollywood because of his, you know, professing to be a Christian and attending Hillsong Church. So the hit piece that comes out of out of Discovery Plus comes, from what I understand, from that angle. It isn't trying to tell the story of the th- millions of dollars that have been given to, to relief organizations or to causes to help people who are poor or the people whose lives have been changed or have been set free from addictive patterns or, you know, the kind of things that have blessed the church world around the world through Hillsong. It is only focused on the dirt that you could dig up. And so, is there dirt there? Apparently there is, but it hasn't been told from a balanced narrative point of view, like, isn't this sad what's happened? You know, you have such a great organization in Hillsong, and then you have these negative things that are a part of the story. So for me, I just don't have the time for that. If someone's going to just do a hit piece on the church just because they're against the church, even, even if there is some legitimacy to some of the things they're saying, I'm not sure that's useful for me to spend my time on. Now, if someone watches it and they want to tell me differently that there's something of value in there, I guess I would I would consider changing my mind, but mm-hmm. so the the fact that it is in, intentionally made, you know, with, with trying to take Hillsong down doesn't mean there's not a lot of truth in there. Right. I mean, uh, uh, the stuff that was coming out, so just just to very quickly summarize, we've mentioned Carl Lentz before, but he had a he had an affair that that was a part of this. And then um, there was a whole thing, essentially, like, I'm really going to summarize, and this is like, this is like, uh, it's not just hearsay, but it's when you have a third person or whatever it's called. Yeah. I'm like, this is what I understand when I had conversations about this. There was, and and also the perspective of the documentary, whether or not this is verifiable. We don't, we're not, we don't know the information firsthand from any source other than the documentary. Right. But it's, so, uh Brian Houston was the lead pastor of Hillsong Church. His dad's name was Frank. Apparently, Frank 
had sexually assaulted someone. A child. I, who was a child. Yeah. Many, well, many years, years ago. Years and years ago. 20-some, yeah. 30-some years ago, something like that. I think 20-some years ago. Yes. And apparently... So that that was known. He he had been he had been asked to step down. But then, what the documentary tries to expose is the idea that Brian Houston had always claimed he didn't know that, and like his his dad had passed away, but he didn't even know until his deathbed. And so, you know, he had claimed that he didn't try to make amends or do anything about it or bring it to the police because he didn't know. But the documentary makes it seem as if he paid off the person who was abused for $10,000 to keep them quiet and that he was keeping this a secret rather than getting his dad to the police. Um, and then at the end, it also shows that he may have been engaging in some affair-like relationships. So so these are two separate issues, two right? Two separate so issues. The very first one you're talking about, I, I had heard about Brian describing what happened with his dad and how horrifying that was to him and his reaction to it. Now he is being charged in Australia with the crime of not reporting uh, something he should have reported when it comes to the abuse of a minor. Exactly. That case is before the courts. And while the documentary may be producing some of their thoughts on it, I think we have to let that play out in the court system. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been found guilty. He's been charged. He's being accused of something. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to be very careful to not say that it's already been decided just because someone's accused him of something. Okay, then the second part is, along with that allegation, which is the most serious allegation, there was evidently a moment where he was uh, uh, overusing sleep medication and and drinking as well, and he, in that state, sent some text messages that were inappropriate to a staff member and went to visit a woman. In a hotel room at a conference. And she wanted him to leave and he didn't leave. And then eventually the staff member resigned. And I think if I'm understanding the board wanted Brian to follow through on some redemptive measures to make sure that he was healthy and strong and, and you know, this wouldn't happen again. And I'm not sure if he followed through with that completely. And eventually they made the decision to say, you also need to step down, but it comes in concert with this other charge being made that's being tried in the in the public courts there in Australia. So obviously this sends Ripple's effect over, you know, all around the world because of his impact through Hillsong and his leadership over time. And so I would just say, I don't think we can make judgments on things or condemn somebody where we don't really have all the information. I wouldn't want anybody doing that to me. I don't think we should do that for Pastor Brian. I think his wife has come out and said, I trust my husband husband completely. And she's had such a beautiful attitude. I've read some of her posts on Instagram, and she's had such a great, great Christ-like, humble, broken, positive response, even though she's part of being what's, she's part of, you know, she's part of the story and being criticized a lot. Um, so I just think we have to be, as, as Christians, very protective to speak like Jesus about Pastor Brian and his wife, Bobby. I think we have to be very careful not to sound more like the devil than we do like Jesus when we talk about Hillsong. We have to let some processes play out and not react too emotionally by condemning or condoning anything until we get all of the facts as much as we possibly can. And if the worst of the worst is true, the right response is not to pounce on it, but to grieve that that this has happened because it's not good for anybody. It's not good for them, for the kingdom, or anybody else that might have been injured in the process, especially if 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 the allegations are true. This woman who might have been the, evic, the victim of, of, you know, his inappropriate 
um, flirtations with her, or especially the kid that was abused by Brian's dad. I mean, that's horrific. Yeah. Um, so, but that's, I guess, a starting point. But I think what this brings up is because if you link the two now, the story about Hillsong and the documentary being made, and some people's reaction to the what appears to be the fall of Hillsong, I think that's overstating it because I think the church is going to go on. Yeah. Uh, and then the Mars Hill podcast is this overarching theme of see that's what happens with celebrity pastors or see that's what's wrong with mega churches or it's almost like this particular thing that's happened is now proof of what we suspected all along mm-hmm. that there's something seriously wrong with churches of that size or with somebody who that's is that well known and so I guess the bigger question is are mega churches in inherently toxic mm-hmm. that's like the overriding. Is the megachurch movement, or I guess probably it's more celebrity pastors, but megachurch movement gets lumped in with that. Is is that inherently toxic? Yeah. Is there something ungodly about the model that is sort of, I I think the charges against it would be it's personality-focused, it's man-centered, it's not, it, it loses the heart of reaching individuals and becomes more about the money and the numbers and the and the camera shots and all that. So it is the mega church movement toxic. Now I, before we get there, I just want to say when I when I heard the news about what Brian what what happened allegedly with Brian Houston, man, that kind of crushed me. You know, cuz I mean, he's somebody that like I I'm not I don't know personally, but you you know, at least for me I kind of looked up to him as like the the last generation and like, oh, he's been doing ministry for such a long time. In a huge spotlight. The former generation, you mean, not the last one, right? The former, the former <laughs> yeah. generation. Meaning my generation, right? Yeah, yeah I met the one before, yeah. before me, a few before me, I guess. Yeah, but like seeing kind of his ministry and like look at the integrity he's had with this, and that's awesome to see a church that's kind of been built in this sense. And also, there there were periods of time where I personally felt like, you know, for being such a large church, they're not as flashy in some ways as other churches that I know of. You know, like oh, I pre like. And and that might have been a, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, the the idea is I like I really had no idea that, that something like this would happen. I mean, there's even been other leaders as well, you know, that have fallen. But for me, this is sort of more personal <laughs> to be like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, you know. And I, I think that that kind of does breed some hurt feelings and mistrust whenever you put your trust that that somebody is doing something with integrity for a long time and then they fall. You know, and I, I guess that that's a whole other conversation about. Yeah, well, like our I mean, trust that's happened and, and people, multiple but... times in the last couple of years too, with Bill Hybels with Willow Creek and Rabbi Zacharias, who was yeah. the apologist. And shocking information. You think if there's anybody in the world that wouldn't be that, it would be somebody like this, and then you find out something that's just happened. So there is a devastation and a grief that comes with that that I think is proper. Right, we should grieve over this. And I think that we walk away, not with a defeatism, like no one can do this. I mean, if he couldn't live for Jesus, then how can I? But I think we have to come with some learnings from it. Like, I think we all come away and we say, okay, if these things are true that Brian Houston is being accused of, and we don't know for sure, but if they are true, then then what does this mean about how we should govern our churches and live our lives so that we can take away any kind of learning from this to make make things better? Mm-hmm. And I think what what's been going through my mind with all of this is, you know, these these are these are people obviously who fall, and they're people that probably they're not just like how did this wolf in sheep's clothing get to this position and stay there for so long without without us seeing it. I think that's what it's painted as a lot of times, like this evil person 
was always like this, and we just never knew it. But a lot of times it's like somebody can be doing something for so many years with integrity and with good intentions, and then they just essentially, like, eventually get probably too low accountability and maybe too high of a prominence. They're a little overworked. They're unguarded, and then something happens, you know, and it's it's yeah. devastating. But Well, and the principle of, of, of spiritual warfare is that if you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter— so when you're in a point leadership position, you have that many people around the world looking to you. The devil knows that if he can get you to fall, he's going to cause a lot of damage. Uh, and then and then you put the pressure. So Brian Houston's traveling back and forth from London to Stockholm to New York City to Hill, to to Sydney, Australia, and he's buying buildings and he's dealing with the pressure of of an organization that's got multi millions of dollars flowing in and then you got your television station and and you got all the things going on with your music industry and all the attacks that's coming from the popular culture and there is this pressure that you're under and in the weakest moment of your life is when you're the most vulnerable and so I actually heard him tell a story at one of the conferences I attended where he said, I got addicted to sleep medication because I couldn't go to sleep without it because I kept waking up in different time zones and that I couldn't fall asleep. So I would use some kind of over-the-counter sleep medication and became dependent on it. And then this moment where he's actually, they say he went into someone's hotel room or texted inappropriately, he was medicated and using alcohol, which goes back to one of our previous episodes, mm-hmm. um, and in that to cope with what's happening with the pressure and he ends up doing something stupid, which then it leads to, you know, all of the grief that we're, we're, we're expressing together over this. So, but until you've been in that position with that kind of pressure, I don't think any of us can understand what it's like to fight that kind of battle. So I have sympathy for him. I have empathy for him and I pray that he's restored. You know, there, there was a picture I follow him in on, on Instagram, actually, um, Brian, Dave, and I are both big Chelsea football fans, Ooh. soccer fans, and so is Brian. So I often see on the Chelsea, uh, you know, feed, I'll see Brian Houston liking when Chelsea <laughs> is one. So I actually also follow Brian, and he had a post just recently, and it was him and his dog that was on his lap, and the dog, it said, "At least she loves me." And I felt like so brokenhearted for him, like he's under attack from everybody around the world and he he's finding solace in his dog because it just feels like he's all alone. I think we should both grieve for him. I think we should pray for him. I think we should be very cautious in casting judgments on things we don't understand. And I think we should all cheer for him to be restored. Yeah. That would be along with making sure all those who potentially have been victimized are, are, are properly cared for and taken care of. I'm not saying one without the other. I'm just saying for everyone who might have been affected, they should be, we should be praying for their restoration. As a side note, I think that it, it, we, we become too much like the world and the culture when we're rooting for the, the takedown of the bad guys. Yeah. As opposed to, because they're still people. And that wasn't Jesus' heart. I mean, Jesus, Jesus instructed us to do things out of restoration. You know, or and we find that in Paul's letters too. When it, when it comes to discipline, it's discipline with restoration in mind, so that somebody yeah. can kind of come back into the fold and into grace, and not to be taken down. To be like, because I think there, this is a part of the whole virtue sig- signaling culture. But like, when we find people that are the bad guys, and we feel like we help to take them down and expose them or get them canceled, we feel better. But that's really ungodly yeah. and really unchristlike. So. Yeah, we have to Side be for everybody. Yes.
So bringing someone else down to our level doesn't make the world a better place. No. Um, and I think that is what what we tend to want to do, especially with celebrities, all celebrities. We want to build them up and then take them down, Christian or not. And then we, also there is this mindset about megachurches. So the mindset about megachurches, let's, let's dive into all of this. So you would would you consider yourself the pastor of a mega church? Is Alston Park Church a mega church? So you know that the, it depends on the definition. Some people say that the the mega church is two thousand or more. I've heard it. I've heard the number raised to higher than that. So uh, pre pandemic numbers, we would have just been past two thousand. So I guess technically we might fall into that category. But our heart is not to be a mega church. It's actually to be a movement of neighborhood churches. And that 2,200 people that we were before the pandemic included the five neighborhood churches that we have, as well as the original broadcast campus. So we also have been a part of planting churches all over the Northeast, and most of them are neighborhood sized churches. And so um, my reputation has not been as a mega church pastor, but as the champion of the neighborhood church. Okay, so while we have collectively more than 2,000, we would probably be more known as the champion of the, of the neighborhood-sized church that we want to plant and get behind and help. Um, but I think Hillsong planted a whole bunch of churches too. So hidden in, in the mix of things is a lot of these megachurches are also incredibly champions of the, the mid-sized church and neighborhood church, and they resource them with so many free resources and get behind them in so many different ways that sometimes we miss the fact that these large churches aren't really just all about themselves. Now, there, there probably are some, but that's, I think, how I would describe us. So let me, let me, let me just pepper you with questions, then. Yeah, come on. And then we Bring can respond. On. I'll just, because <laughs> I don't know how to do this any better. This, yeah. is, this is, again, this is just an organic conversation. We have not really talked about this beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> this is just... We I, never do. Yeah, I, I just, I just kind of <laughs> want your thoughts. So there's a lot of talk about this idea of, the, of a cult of personality... And uh, w- when I see like a lot of accusations leveled at megachurch or megachurch pastors, it's well, of course you're set up to fail. The church is meant to be built on Christ, not on blank megachurch pastor, right? Not on Carl Lentz, not on you know Stephen Furtick, not on Brian. He, Stephen Furtick hasn't fallen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, a- these any, are the any big people church that pastors, Brian, right. Brian uh, or Bill Johnson. I mean, and there's there's a lot, right? So. Like, it was meant to be built on Jesus, so these things are toxic. Um, the rise and fall of Marcel, Mark Driscoll, you know, being another case in point. So when, when you hear about this idea of, like, the cult of personality, the reason why these churches are toxic is they're built on the personality of the leader and not on necessarily following Jesus, where I'm not even sure what the counter would be to that, not on good governance or not on... Yeah, okay, so... Just because something is big and you have a good communicator or worship leader at the helm doesn't mean it's built on that personality. You you don't know until you visit the church and actually talk to the people who are leading the church what the church is governed like. So you can have a really small church that's governed very much with the cult of personality, but the personality that's in charge is not gifted as a communicator and has driven so many people away that no one's really around to know. Okay, so personality-driven it has nothing to do with size. That has to do with the structure. And until you get close enough, you don't know the structure. You don't know how healthy it is or unhealthy it is. And so we make judgments based on image 
And so most of us like a great communicator. I mean, if you're going to choose, do you want to listen to a really clear, effective, anointed communicator or someone who's going to drone on and on and you're not going to know what they're going to talk about? <laughs> you would say, I think I'd want the effective communicator. Does that make this person who's great at communication a cult of personality? Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it does. He might be the most submitted, humble person in the world. They might have good governance structure as a part of their house. And it might be very healthy all across the board, but we make judgments based on image, and that is is a problem. Okay, now I do think that Hillsong was moving in a way that might have been unhealthy because they were trying to have one church in multiple locations centrally managed, and some of the churches that were onboarding with Hillsong, like one of the, one of the parts of the story is that there's a pastor in Arizona who is onboarding to become instead of a Hillsong family church, which is associated with Hillsong, to becoming an actual Hillsong Phoenix, I think it was, or Tucson. And he was being asked to turn over the assets of their entire building and property and everything that they owned and become an employee of Hillsong Church. When you start to do multi-site management on that level and you're beginning to take over people's assets, this begins to call into question, is the structure sound? Is this process really workable? And are the people involved really understanding what they're buying into? And this particular pastor happens to say, I didn't realize this was all that was involved. And then when the scandal came out, I think gave him a second reason to pull out. So the structure of the church is really determined on whether or not it's built on personality or not. And there there probably are big churches and small churches where a pastor can make decisions without consulting anybody about how money is used or about what goes on and it truly is a personality cult. But then there are other big churches that are very healthy, and the leadership is spread across a whole bunch of gifted people, and it operates in a very New Testament way, and you can't make that judgment just because it's growing or effective. And I think that's the mistake we make sometimes. It, it confuses me whenever this is brought up, because I that is my first reaction. How do you know? Like, maybe some of these people that are writing this are, like, investigative, and they know actually the, the governance— but a lot of times I feel like this is being said, and it's like, well, so... so it feels like, to me we, like jealousy. Yeah, do, do, we, do we want... <laughs> I mean, okay, there are some communicators that are really highly educated, and they're not as charismatic, but they have really good Bible teaching. You know, you, you can probably think of people like this. And they're, they, ha- they might have a bigger following, it's a larger church, but they're not... I, I'm wondering, are you wanting all older people like this... Who are just like they have their PhD and they're not going to be charismatic? Is because I think even with that, there's still a danger. Somebody like that could still do something crazy, or it could be built around them. Yeah, you I don't know, know. I don't understand why we can't just celebrate. Like, okay, Andy Stanley is a great communicator, and he has a really large church and a big following all across the country. Why does that have to be bad? Yeah, Stephen Furtick is an amazing preacher. T.D. Jakes is incredible. I loved listening to Brian Houston. Um, they're, they're, we can name pastor after pastor. Why? Because they're really good at what they do, and they've grown something really large. Do I have to feel bad about that? Like, I love that. Um, does that mean I, I want to? I, I think my church is a failure if it's not like that? No, not at all. I'm trying to be who God, God called me to be. But I, I also can look at someone whose church is thir- running 30 and see what they're doing, sacrificing their life, and maybe working by vocationally and doing their best to make their church grow, and they're up up against it. I can also say, man, I'm so proud of you. Like, I don't understand why we have to cast judgment on one another. Now, if you're really concerned about somebody's 
church and whether it's governed properly, I think you do have to look into it. And if you cared that much, then you would you'd find a way to talk to them about it, right? Because that's the only way the problem would be solved. But you know, there are people on the internet who built YouTube channels specifically based upon accusing megachurch pastors of being uh, false teachers or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And I actually think that that's very unhealthy to be just building your whole life on targeting someone else mm-hmm. just to point out their flaws. I don't think that's healthy at all. Yeah. And what you can use the excuse of like, I'm protecting my sheep. Yeah. But I don't know. I think people are too... Well, your sheep don't need a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's That could be done in-house if you want to do that in a, in a sensitive way. So, okay, next question. Pepper me. I Okay, I'm... My next question is, is sort of about the celebrity pastor idea. So a, a lot of what's coming under fire right now is all these pastors are so, they're just image-focused, and like they shouldn't be trying to reach celebrities. We're called to reach the orphan and the widow and the poor. And so like, you know, if, if someone is a celebrity pastor, that's kind of an inherently toxic thing. I, celebrity pastor is not something that anybody would call themselves. It's not like they would say like, hey, I'm... You know. Well, but I think that this comes out of the whole thing. So when Carl Lentz went down with his particular moral failing, sure, he was a part of a group of cool guy pastors that were posting a lot of cool guy pictures on the internet. They're still, pastors. they're still, they're, a lot of them are still doing ministry now. Yeah, but they were, they were really. Can I say I, this sounds really judgy? I don't even know how to say this appropriately because I'm older than you, but it <laughs> felt like they were posing you know, in, in particular ways, and they're hanging out with, with musicians and movie stars. And and it, it fits into that whole Instagram culture kind of a thing. Like, um, it's a little... And, and so, okay, should we try to reach movie stars for Jesus? <laughs> yes. Should we lead with that? Like, should that be what we're always celebrating or known for? Look at me, I'm hanging out with the cool kids. I think that does attract some people's attention that wouldn't necessarily pay attention to the gospel and they see that you're sitting next to someone they respect in the music world, and they see that you're trying to pastor them, I could see how that might actually be useful. Now we're getting into people's motivation. Are you just trying to strut around, like in an Instagram picture, to let everybody know how cool you are? That's probably a bad motivation. Are you are you doing this strategically? It's hard for me to judge that. Well, and you could be doing both. And you could be doing both. Your motives could be wrong, and maybe it's working. You know, and so mo- but you could. I'm just saying, you could have divided motives. You could be like mostly wanting to do it strategically, but there could be a part of you that that kind of feeds yeah. off of that. But what is it that makes people react to that? There's like a gag reflex to that. What is it about make people go ah? Like why? Why are they doing that? Is it is it like this doesn't look like Jesus to me, or is it a you think you're better than me? kind of a thing. Like, I don't know the answer to that. I do have a little gag reflex with it. I don't even know why I do. I think it's because, I think it's because when, when you're thinking about a pastor, at least for me, I think of someone who, who should be sort of actively trying to deflect attention a lot of times. Uh They're sort of like, um, they're sort of like, look at these awesome people, or they're like, you know, look at what God is doing, or you know, it's not really about me, it's about whatever yeah. God's calling me to do. And when you see people that are sort of like doing things that are very like, look at me, you're sort mm-hmm. of like, why? Like, yeah. isn't that sort of the antithesis but of is, what you're... isn't that really kind of attractive, though, in a way? Because like, okay, isn't the whole selfie culture, look at me? I mean, so 
I mean, we all take pictures with selfies in them, and aren't we all doing that a little bit? Like, yeah, for whatever reason, so pastors whatever... get more flack for it. Yeah, it's like, it's like the people that are like, how could they do this? Are probably a lot of times doing that. Yes, but it's right. like, well, I can do this. This is fine, but you expect better from pastors, or yeah. you expect them to be different. Or... So we all want Mother Teresa. We want the humble. I'm devoting myself to the poor, even if we're not necessarily living that way. We'd like we'd like our spiritual leaders to show up in that form. I, I guess you got to be true to who you are. I, I mean, I I have to work at being in style. Like, that's just not my my norm. Melody coaches me. So no one's going to ever accuse me of being slick because it's not <laughs> my personality. But if you are naturally a great dresser, I don't think you should apologize for that. Sure. Right? So I think sometimes we're, we're a little hypercritical on some stuff, but we do have to ask the motive question. Is this... Does this really reflect Jesus well? Is it strategically good for the church? Is it not? And I think the jury may be still out on that. It's it's, it's that whole episode we did, our Should Pastors Be Uncool Again? <coughs> Bless you, Dave. Um, and and if if and that's the question of how much does brand matter? How much does dress matter? How much does cool matter? How much is because we, we we all agree that re, to be relevant, you have to be in the game somehow. Mm-hmm. But then there's a line where maybe it becomes too much. So I have no, don't know what in the world that has to do with Brian Houston and Hillsong. I guess Hillsong is very brand conscious, and it does have to do with Carl Lentz. But I don't know that those two, two things, Carl's fall, has anything to do with his cult But it's of all associated, though. It gets it's, mixed up together. It does, because, because you're like, look at Hillsong. Hillsong. Hillsong's already had other major celebrity pastors fall. So this, what does that prove in people's minds? I think in people's minds it proves that okay, this is this is an extreme statement that is not a view that I hold. I think people are like, look, it shows that they 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 are fake and they are just about image and they don't have the kind of integrity to stand up under pressure. They're this was built on a bad foundation. It's it's all that That's kind of stuff. That's a pretty broad judgments yeah, from you, a distance. You sent me an article. <laughs> I was where I'm almost just quoting like their yeah, points I know, that they I said. Know. Here's the eight reasons why this failure happened from a from a distance. My yeah. goodness, that is a lot of judgment to cast. I mean, don't we need a little more humility on the judgment side to say, look, I can't, I can't tell you what went wrong in Hillsong. How can I tell you what went wrong in Hillsong? I have never even visited there. I only have seen things on television. How would I know? And if I did know, if I was close enough to the situation, and I had talked to the leaders, and I knew what was systemically wrong with Hillsong Church, should I put it in a blog post with my eight points? Or is there a better place to manifest that discussion? And, and, and maybe I would take some of the learnings, and I would rebrand it as how to have a healthy church, but not aim it at Hillsong and say, this is what went wrong there. It's, it very much just sounds like somebody who's got an agenda, and they, they you're using the fall to express that agenda. And I know that's really hard on this particular guy who wrote the article, but but it's just really, you know, I think you could say eight practices for healthy churches, but nobody wants to read that. Yeah. No one wants to read the positive spin on what it takes to have a healthy church. They want to read about, you know, what went wrong in their marriage, what went wrong in, like, that's the salaciousness of it. That's why Rise and Fall of Mars Hill was so popular, is it leveraged the scandal to sell the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it leverages the scandal to get you to read the article. And I don't know that that's, that's not coming out of, I don't think, a Jesus heart. And so 
Um, I think people like 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 the, uh, and I, I'm not going to mention the article or the name of it. I just was referencing what yeah. you what you sent to me, but I I think that that there is sort of an undercurrent of if we could abolish the fake mega church movement, we could take the churches that are out there and make them more Jesus centered. But there's no plan for that. It's it's not like well here's what we should do. Other than like vague, we should have better governance and accountability, but everybody agrees with that. I think the churches that have bad governance are like not hap- like not even they're not going to vocal vocally say. It's usually you find that out after the fact, after something happens, right? But it feels like th- this feels like it's sort of a part of the deconstruction movement to take something down, but that doesn't have a blueprint of what we're building it back into. Yeah, things sometimes do need to be torn down if they're bad, but for the purpose of being reconstructed into something healthy. Yeah, so you know? I just finished penning my article on why megachurches are bad for the world and why things should be torn down as I turn on my next episode of Levi Lesko. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're all consuming this material that's coming out from some of the best communicators in the world as we rail against it as an evil. And it just seems so weird and inconsistent to me. I do think there are principles of governance. Maybe we should do an episode on this at some point, but a couple of principles. Everybody needs to be submitted to somebody. I don't care who you are or how big your ministry is. Everybody needs to have people who are speaking into their life so that you are accountable and you can avoid the potential downfalls of making the kinds of serious mistakes. Organizations need to have good trustee boards in place and governance structures so that if there is something that happens where someone is abused or harmed, it can be corrected immediately and reported appropriately. And everybody who serves on a team is responsible to have their eyes open to see anything that looks wrong and to deal with it through the proper processes of Matthew 18 so that it can be handled, because no church is perfect, but it ch- churches don't have to end up falling off a cliff if good governance structures are in place and we're submitted to one another in love. Um I think that if you had put a, a test in Hillsong at early 2000s, you probably would have seen everything was completely healthy. And some point, somewhere, somehow, this may, because we don't know for sure, have gone sideways. And if it did, it's tragic. But I don't think we can take a broad brush and say, this now means Rick Warren's church is bad, or T.D. Jakes's church is bad, or Stephen Furtick's church is bad, or Andy Stanley's church is bad, because I don't think that has anything to do with one another. I think all of these individuals are functioning as individuals, and each church is operating in its own way. And when we start to make broad judgments, I think we make a major, major mistake. And we are, I think, working against the the attitudes of Jesus in, in how we treat each other. Yeah. It, it reminds me of some way, you know, I was just reading through my Bible reading plan whenever it's you know, David's in the desert, and he doesn't kill Saul twice because he doesn't want to lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. You know, I think there are sometimes there are people that are in these prominent positions that are easy to take shots at because everybody knows about them. But I do just feel like, are you sure that Jesus is not pleased with what they're doing and that he's not the one orchestrating this? Because I, I think people, were, if it was like, you know you're attacking what Jesus is doing right now, yeah. I think that they would feel a little more reticent. But it's okay to attack a person if we see flaws, but... Yeah, in general, I, I just think to me, we just need a little more, a little. We need to be a little slower to speak. You know what I mean? A little slow, a little, to, slow to judge. Yeah, what does it say in Galatians chapter one? If anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. 
and you should be aware that you yourself are potentially able to fall. I know I just paraphrased that verse, but that's that's actually, I think, a good way to close the podcast because that's the attitude that we should have, that Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 mindset, with the spirit of gentleness, with the awareness that you also could fall prey to the very same thing. And it should be with the mindset not to judge, but to restore. Mm-hmm. And And if we have that mindset toward one another, even the celebrity pastor, even the megachurch pastor, we have to have the same mindset toward them as we'd have toward anybody else that would fall, with also an awareness that anybody that's been abused or victimized needs to be the priority. We need to make sure that we don't just so focus on the, the, the spiritual leader that we miss, that there could be someone in the mix here that has been devastated by something, and that anybody who's been in a church and been run over needs to be cared for properly without necessarily casting the whole thing down as evil. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. As always, we would love it if you would like and subscribe if you're watching it on YouTube, um, share it if you're on social media. Again, leave us a five-star review. That would just help us spread the word. So, hey, whenever you're watching this, wherever you're watching this, we hope you've enjoyed. Have an amazing day. We'll, We'll catch you guys next time.